Did anybody get an opportunity to take a little hurrication? This, is anybody? I have, I have friends of mine that they just can't wait so they can take the hurricane. And I'm like, I'm not taking the hurricane because I want to be able to get back to my house. So I don't go for the hurricane. Last, last year, I had a couple of friends that took off to Disney World, like last minute Disney World with the family. I was like, that must have been nice. But um, yeah, we, had, we suffered, our poor Bradford pair suffered the loss of a limb, but that was about it. So fortunately, a couple weeks ago, I thinned them both or yeah, both of the big ones out by uh, probably a few hundred pounds, and I think probably that preserved them from, which in turn saved our fence. But um, we know that um, people did, even locally, suffer some damage. A guy I went to high school with up in Calabash, his house and stables were uh, destroyed on the front side by a hurricane, by, by a tornado, which was the weird part about this whole thing is the hurricane itself wasn't a big deal. It was all the tornadoes that came ahead. And um, my next door neighbor, Jerome, was telling me about, um, I don't know if, if uh, one of their church members, I think, was maybe it was in the retreat, maybe, uh, and their house uh, suffered some damage. So, um, yeah, we, Carolina Shores, yeah, that's, yeah, Bob, yeah Bob's house would, is not far from Carolina Shores, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then, of course, um, the poor people in the Bahamas. And, you know, so we just, we just pray for any way that, you know, you know we're going to talk about Holy Spirit this morning. And I just want to ask Holy Spirit to just let us know any way, what is our position here for this, for the people of the Bahamas, for the local people that we could help? Lord, we just ask that you would um, reveal to us the best way we could help, whether it's prayer, finances, or hands. Um, that Shana was saying earlier, and we thank you, Lord. Um, we just expect to hear, even, even in the midst of the crisis and the chaos uh, um, in the Bahamas, we, we just hope to hear some testimonies and some miracles of your presence <coughs> and of the presence of your people there. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about, talking about wind. We're going to talk a little bit of, uh, about Holy Spirit. In um, the vineyard, we have a term that we use, come Holy Spirit. And you'd be like, well, did you really trademark that? Well, we didn't really trademark that. A lot of people say it. But Wimber is famous for his simple prayer, come Holy Spirit. Uh, And it's been used thousands of times in the vineyard. And then thankfully, thanks to the Internet, um, I feel like I'm missing some. Oh, you're, I was looking, I was, I'm used to changing changing the slides, and I was like, where's my changer? But he's doing it for me. So um, it, thanks to the Internet, we get to see how, how do people see the Holy Spirit? How do people understand the Holy Spirit? And thanks to creative people in the Internet, we get to kind of see how the world and people out there see, uh, see the Holy Spirit. So i got a couple of things I pulled up here. It says, if your Holy Ghost just makes you run and dance but doesn't help you live holy, then it's not the Holy Ghost, it's ADHD. <laughs> That's one perspective, the other, and there's, there's probably some truth in that. Um, another one, this is, it gets better. When you want to be petty, but the Holy Spirit got your back. I mean, the Golden Girls memes and the Holy Spirit doesn't get better than that, you know. The Holy Ghost is holding your mouth when you want to get petty. So that's how some people see the Holy Spirit. And then this is my absolute favorite, because I feel like this sometimes. 
God, I have a plan for your life, what it feels like. Holy Spirit, having a good time, me, scared to death. <laughs> Anxiety, trauma, Holy Spirit. <laughs> if only we could learn to be a little bit more like the Holy Spirit in some of those times in life, those difficult transitions, when the bottom drops out. Right? Whew. But that's my absolute favorite Holy Spirit meme of all time that I've seen. I love that because it's so telling. So this come Holy Spirit thing, simple, right? Just come Holy Spirit. Sounds like a nice prayer. Sounds just, sounds wonderful. It's one of what we call the vineyard distinctives. These are the things that spell out, the distinctives are, are things that have uh, been brought out that kind of spell out the vineyard DNA. Another one is everybody gets to play. Because, and nowadays it's a little different, but back when Wimber first started saying everybody gets to play, it was really all about the man of God on the platform. He was the one anointed for ministry, but John Wimber said, no, you're anointed for ministry. All of you. Another one is the, um, I am, I'm trying to speak from this platform, but I obviously move too much and I keep getting close to the edge. <laughs> um, another one is the main and the plain. We have a lot of stuff going on. Holy Spirit, uh, um, Vineyard's a Holy Spirit movement. There's a lot of things, but John Wimber was always famous for saying, hey, keep it the main and the plain, though. Let's keep it straight down the middle, what it's about. It's all pointing to Jesus. And so these are all things that we call vineyard distinctives, and there's a lot more of them. Um, but not only is come Holy Spirit the vineyard DNA, it's also an invitation. It's an invitation. And uh, Phil Strout, he is the Vineyard National Director. He says this of the Come Holy Spirit phrase. It's not as much of a theological statement as it is a mode of operation. It's the way we do business in the vineyard. We want to recognize the ministry of the Holy Spirit in all things. I have also heard Phil Strout say that in the vineyard we need the Holy Spirit because we're just not slick enough to do it on our own. And it's true. So we just rely. It's, it's, it's the center of all things. It's the way we do business. We just rely on Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, uh, to teach us, to show us. And so that's how we do things. But are we ready for this simple prayer? This come Holy Spirit. What will happen if we pray this prayer? I'm going to pray. We're going to jump into some scripture and we'll talk about a little bit about that. And so, Father, here we are, and we are saying, come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. I pray as, as uh, I speak this morning that I would speak your words, Lord, and that, Holy Spirit, you would open our hearts, and you would cause us to hear the things that you want us to hear. You would instruct us and teach us and guide us in the things that you are looking to show us as individuals and us corporately. We thank you, Father for the gift of the Holy Spirit given through Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if we go to the beginning of where we start to see the activity of the Holy Spirit in the early church, right at the beginning, in Acts 1, uh, in verse 3 through 8, um, this is Jesus um, speaking right here after, he, after his resurrection. This is post-resurrection when he's appearing to the, uh, the disciples. It says, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Any of my Pentecostal people there? You know that term, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In verse 6, he says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But, like, but, as I was saying, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and the ends of the earth. Just as an aside, I find this really funny, and I find this very telling, and I find it being very much what we see today. As you notice, here Jesus says, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is the promise of my Father. This is something they've never heard before. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't know this stuff. And so Jesus is telling them something new, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what do they think about? Are you going to overthrow the Romans? This is it, right? This is, this is what we've been waiting for. Political power and, 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 and domination, that's what we've been waiting for. And he just says, it's not the time for you guys. But as I was saying, I'm going to equip you to bring my kingdom. And I find it funny because that's pretty typical of humans. We, want, we see power in a very different way that God sees power. But it also says that we would be witnesses. And a lot of times uh, we hear that talked about and receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness and it's like, okay, that's the power for evangelism, to be a witness to God, to talk about um, Jesus and talk about salvation. And that is absolutely true. But I think that that interpretation of, of that passage falls a little short. Because what they're getting ready to witness is a little bit bigger than that. It's a little bit bigger than that. So what did they do when they heard this? In Acts 2, 1 through 4, we see that they did what Jesus told them to do. When the day of Pentecost came, they were gathered, gathered together in one place. They had been praying ever since Jesus told them that they were going to get this gift. They'd been gathered together and praying. And so they were gathered together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And here they are, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit who came like a mighty blowing wind. And like the wind, we see oftentimes its effects like we just saw but we don't really see the wind. And the Holy Spirit is the same way many times. We don't physically see the Holy Spirit, but we can see the effects. And we see the effects of the Holy Spirit on the apostles here as they begin to speak with other tongues. Um, and if you're like, well, that was the apostles. That was then. That was, that was what happened to the apostles because they were special people. But... The problem is in Acts 2, at the end, in 38, 39, we see uh, Peter is, is talking to a group of people, and, and Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Those are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's a gift for each and every one of us as believers. And here we come to it, the come Holy Spirit. Pastor Steve and Cindy Nicholson, who um, are vineyard pastors, and they pastor up in, the, um, up in Minnesota. And a lot of, they kind of looked at, they are Holy Spirit ministers even within the vineyard. They kind of, the, Steve is one of the Holy Spirit guys. And they recall the first time they uttered these words, come Holy Spirit, as a true and conscious invitation for the Spirit to come. They're a re- relatively young church, and they were having one of these you know, annual you know, celebrations. Hey, we made it for another year, and the doors are still open, and all this you know, showing slides and eating together and having a good time. And then there came to a ministry time, and this is what they say happened after they said, come Holy Spirit. Everyone was standing. There was a deep, unnerving, very long silence. Very awkward. Like, so you just said that, Pastor Steve, what are we waiting on? And everybody was standing and waiting. Then, in the cavernous acoustics of a church gym, the sound of a metal folding chair flipping over, and the unmistakable wail of a man whose emotional pain had just gotten uncorked by God. More flipping chairs, more crying, laughing, shouting, people shaking, people ending up under, uh, underfolding chairs, and all through the room, such a sense of purposefulness to it all, of God doing things and saying things as though we had finally opened the door and let him in, which we had. Come Holy Spirit is a prayer best prayed with willingness to welcome surprise and unpredictability. So, what might happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon us? When, now, I, 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 was, I was saved in, uh, in a, well, just kind of by myself. I may have told you the story, but, but my first church experience was charismatic church. So I entered into a charismatic church. We talked about Holy Spirit a lot. I experienced his presence. I was in the worship team on the platform. I had been on the platform uh, at times and just felt his presence so heavily. I just had to put my instrument down. Um, so I'd experienced that kind of stuff. I'd been on a prayer line where somebody came by and prayed, and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit just laid me out. Um, so I'd experienced Holy Spirit in that way. In that way. But I experienced him in this very personal way uh, this one particular time. I had met Sarah. Uh, we were engaged, and she had been sharing uh, some of her father's teaching. What we teach at Shiloh Place is we call it the ministry of father's love. And so it's, it's this revelation of God as a father and his love for us as his sons and daughters. And I had, in my, my upbringing, I um, moved away from where my father lived um, at about the age of six, I only saw him about three different times between then and the age I was now, which was 31, for like two weeks at a time, just for vacation. And um, I'd come to realize in my walk with the Lord, I was really struggling. I was, I had hit a wall, and that's kind of when I met Sarah. She uh, gave me um, some of the tapes of her dad, her dad's testimony, and I started listening to some of that. And 
it had a big impact on me. It was right where I was. It was right what I needed to hear, and God was ministering to me through it. Well, I didn't have a chance to see Jack and Tricia speak at all because Jack was speaking out of town a lot, and um, so I just had not had that opportunity. But a couple had moved down from Toronto to be part of the ministry, and they were speaking locally at a church in Georgetown. So it was a Wednesday night, and Sarah um, was like, we, we should go, and I was like, oh, that's, let's do it. And I, I was helping out with the youth worship team there at Christ Community Church, and so I went and I helped them with the worship, and then Sarah and I jumped in the car 45 minutes down to Georgetown. We get there, there's like 10 minutes left in the message, no big deal, I'd have already been listening to the tapes, I heard Jack minister it, and then ministry time comes. And so they invite people up, and Sarah's like going up, I'm like, okay, and I'm like, I know how this goes, I've, you know, I've been on prayer line before, and everybody used stand up there, and I'm, here I am. And so it's, a, it's a, a married couple doing it, and so uh, Mark and Jane are their names, and Jane comes by, and she, she lays her, her hand on my hand, and you know, I come from Charismatic Church, and I'm like, I'm like why is she doing you, you know, I'm used to this. Bam! You know, lay your hand on my head, and you get laid out, and she puts her hand on my hand, and I'm like looking, and, and I think she senses that I, I'm just not ready for all this, and so she just moves on. And then, and then Mark comes by, and he's there for a second. I think he lays his hand on my shoulder or something like that. And then he says, you know, why don't you lay down? I'm like, lay down? You're supposed to get knocked down. You know, the power of the Holy Ghost knocked me on the floor. And so, and so I'm like, I look at Sarah, and Sarah's like, lay down. And so I, so I lay down, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and so there I am on the floor, laying on the floor, Mark comes back by, and he says, you have questions. God wants to give you answers. And I was like, okay. My big question is, why am I laying on the church floor voluntarily? But so there I am. And all of a sudden, from the inside of me somewhere, comes this, why did you leave? I'd never asked that before in my life. I knew exactly why my father left us in the situation. And that's a whole another long story. But I knew exactly what happened, so I'd never wondered that in my life. And it wasn't audible, but inside of me it was extremely loud. And then suddenly I was flooded with this love, and just the tears began to come, and I just flooded with the love of God and sensing and overwhelmed with the love of God there as I laid there on the floor. And that was all the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit doing work in me. And, you know, nobody could see anything except for what was going on. They couldn't see the Holy Spirit, but they could really see the effects of it. They could see me there on the floor in the midst of that. And so if we look at Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, he's, uh, the author has just finished talking as Paul. You know, there's some arguments there, but anyway, we'll go with Paul. So he, he's um, talking about justification through faith, and he's talking about atonement and these, these kind of things. So it's kind of deep. And then he comes into to, uh, verse 3 of chapter 5, and it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And then here's the one. And hope does not put us to shame because 
God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, the gift that was given to us. What happened to me on that floor? God's love was poured into my heart through the Holy Spirit. I had that verse 5 experience. And that's our first point. That one of the ways that we can experience the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reveals God's love to us. And then the second point is Holy Spirit reveals God's truth to us. If we look at John chapter 14, uh, in chapter 13, Jesus has just been telling his disciples that he's going to be be betrayed and he's going to be taken away and and he's going to be leaving them. And so now he spends chapter 14 telling them what to expect and what the future is going to bring. And and in in his father's house, there are many mansions and, and all of this stuff. And we get to verse 25 and he says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. He will teach you all things. When we get taught, we are led into truth. In Acts 9, uh, 17 through 19, this is is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul, um, but he still saw, and before he was the Apostle Paul, he was a a a zealous Pharisee who actually persecuted and killed Christians. And so he's on his way to Damascus to persecute him some Christians, and he has this experience. Boom! Jesus appears to him, a bright light, and he's blinded. And so the the, uh, people that were with him, I think the guard that was probably that was with him, took him on to Damascus, and there he is. And then this believer, Ananias, shows up. And it says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And we can see here in this almost sometimes in a metaphorical way right here that The Holy Spirit has come upon Paul, and the scales were removed from his eyes, and now he sees clearly. And he's been led into the truth that Jesus is the Messiah that they have been waiting on. And Saul becomes the Apostle Paul. And in fact, when I was laying there on that floor, I was led into the truth, the truth of Father's love. I had a different experience of God up until that point. I experienced his power. I experienced a lot of things of God up until that point in my life. But in that point, a truth was revealed to me that God is love. And I was set free to experience that. Now, we move on to 1 Corinthians. We see this apostle Paul, the changed man, now has gone out and planted churches. He's been a missionary. He's planted all these churches. And so now a, a church that he planted in Corinth is having some issues, and he's writing them this letter. So in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3 through 5, he's explaining that, because there's been some other teachers coming in and saying some other stuff. And so he's, he's bringing a defense here. And he says, I came to you in my weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words 
but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So twice in this verse we see him talk about the Spirit's power. And that's our third point. Holy Spirit reveals God's power. Now, I had another time, a very personal time, where I experienced the power of God. I had um, <clears throat> I'd been saved a few years. I was working for a guy doing some sales, and he was, lived out of town, but he had a little condo, which was basically the office. And I was uh, working in the office, and what had been going on was I, when I got saved, I had come back from school for summer, and I'd run into an old girlfriend of mine and discovered that she had given her life to the Lord, and that she was a Christian now. And so through a series of events, I told you a little bit about my experience before, I think, I, you know, I got saved. And so then there we are, we're both believers, we're both Christians now, and so it's kind of like, well, maybe this is supposed to be. Well, you know, after a while, she, um, you know, I kind of realized that it wasn't, but I kind of wanted it to, maybe, I didn't know, really. And, but then she started dating somebody. And I knew, I knew that that was, that was what was supposed to be. And suddenly, something that didn't really bother me bothered me a lot. And it began to bother me more and more. And I became depressed over it. And it hurt really bad. And finally, after a few months, I was just like, I was like, God, I can't live with this. I've never experienced this before. I cannot live. I can't go on doing this. And so I was in the office this one day. And it was just hitting me really hard. And I, and I was in, in the kitchen, and I just I leaned against the wall. And I, I think I just kind of slid down the wall. And I was like, God, I, this has got to go. You've got to help me with this. And suddenly, as I was praying there with my eyes closed and asking God and crying out for God to help, I felt as if a hand went down inside of my chest and pulled up a bush or a very difficult weed almost yanking out part of my heart. I could just feel the tearing inside of me almost and yanked it out. And I don't know how long that lasted. It could have been 15 seconds. It felt like 15 minutes that I went through that and I was crying and sobbing. And then as it was over and it just kind of stopped. And I was like, it's gone. I didn't feel it anymore. All that pain that I was feeling was just gone. And funny thing is, a couple times after that, it was so bizarre, I couldn't wrap my head around it. A couple times after that, I tried to get in touch with that feeling, like I would be around, and, 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 you know, and I just felt like, oh, they're a friend. I would try to get in touch with that feeling, and I was like, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then I stopped. I was like, well, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back there, so I quit doing that. But I tested it a few times just because it was so unbelievable that it was just gone. And in that moment... There on the floor of the kitchen of the condo, I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit to change things in my life drastically. That was before I'd ever had a revelation of Father's love, before I knew a lot of other things, before I knew anything about inner healing or any of that kind of stuff that we do nowadays. I had no clue of what that was, and God did that in my life. So I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And Steve Nicholson, who I was talking about earlier, tells a story of when he first met John Wimber. And he was in a, he had a young church 
and they were looking to get connected with somebody, but they, they couldn't find anybody. He had a Pentecostal background, but he knew he didn't want to go there. He didn't want to go like fully denominational. They were just trying to figure out what to do. And this friend of his invited him to this conference. <clears throat> and he came to the conference, and actually it was supposed to be a different speaker, but something happened to the speaker that day for that workshop. And the guy had gotten John to step in. And so John Wimber was up there, and he was talking, and it came to ministry time, and he's, he, he's talking about Holy Spirit, and he sees this woman start to shake. And he's like, well, that's kind of disruptive. They should probably, you know, maybe they should walk her around the back. Maybe they should ask her to leave. And he says, as he's standing there being judgmental of this woman, suddenly John Wimber says, now receive the Holy Spirit with a little bit of force to it. And out of nowhere, boom, he's hit with the Holy Spirit, falls back into his chair, and is just undone. And he said, you know, right, just as I was being judgmental, <laughs> the Holy Spirit hit me in a way I had never experienced before in my life. And to this day, when younger pastors ask him, you know, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you do this ministry of the Holy Spirit? He says, it's not something I do. It's something that was done to me. And the Holy Spirit overtook him. And he submitted himself to the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes those weird things would happen, the shaking, like me on the floor, bawling. And we can't really look around and find scripture to back that stuff up. There's just, you won't. You just, you won't. That thing that happened to me on the floor in the kitchen, you're not going to find the removal of a bitter root in the uh, scripture. It's not anywhere in there. So sometimes things can get a little weird. John Wimber, who is uh, one of the co-founders of you know, the vineyard movement, he's the man, he says this about this kind of stuff. Most of what we have experienced in renewal time in our meetings has been of God. But it's God in humans. I trust God entirely. It's the human beings that concern me. John's kind of a funny guy, so he, I'm sure he was joking. That doesn't mean we have to expel every little thing that doesn't have a proof text. Sometimes we have to leave it in the file folder labeled, I don't know. And so if we really want to experience Holy Spirit in fullness, we have to be prepared to hang a new file folder in the hanging file that just says, I don't know. I don't know. And just so you don't think that this is strictly a vineyard thing, Dallas Willard says, the Holy Spirit comes where he's wanted. So we make that invitation. Phil Strout in that same uh, video where he, he made that uh, quote earlier, he says that one of the things we struggle with is is people are like, well, the Holy Spirit's always present. He's omnipresent. And he's like, well, and if, if you ever get the chance to go see Phil, go see Phil. He's amazing. He, he's like this father figure, laid back, wonderful man, and just, he's just, he's, just go see him if you get a chance. But he's like, he's a New Englander. 
So in his New England accent, he's talking about, if, if you have this party, and there's all these people in your house, and there's, so there's somebody in the house, they're there, it's different than there's people being in your house, than you going up to them and you saying, hey, come, welcome, have your way in here. That's a completely different experience, acknowledging their presence and acknowledging that your home is their home, and they can do whatever they like different than just saying, well, I know the Holy Spirit's here because he's everywhere. And so when we pray, come, Holy Spirit, we're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, we're welcoming you. We're ready for you to do what you will. And I just want to take a minute to do that. We're just going to take a minute here. and um, Won't we all just together Here's what we're going to do. On three, we're all going to just say, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And then we're just going to wait and see what he does. And you can sit there with your eyes closed. You can do what you can stand, do whatever you want. I'm going to be up here with my eyes open. I'm going to be looking for Holy Spirit moving on people. And so, um, we'll ha- and Worship team, we'll, in, a, in a minute, we'll have some music. But let's just, right now, let's just leave it like this, and we'll, um, we'll just wait and see what God's doing. So if everybody's ready, on three, we're going to do that three times in a row. Ready? One, two, three. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.